No, I mean, it takes me like three months to commit to a new series on Netflix or something, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's, I can't believe that kind of commitment. And they hate each other now. Like they, so if they were from a time period where they could have got a divorce, they would have been divorced. <laughs> like not even close, man. They, they would be on their third or fourth marriage, but they, they despise each other. <laughs> but they're, but they're sticking it out. Um, my, my, my grandparents are really into uh, family lineage stuff. They like doing uh, family history. And they, they, they've done some research and they've found out, this is my grandparents on my mom's side, they've found out that um, I have relatives dating all the way back to someone who came from the Mayflower. But my particular line of the family, like it goes on down the ages, but the only reason I exist is because during the Civil War, a guy who fought for the Confederacy uh, left his wife and family to go fight and then started a second secret family, and that's where I come from. <laughs> oh, we're back. Perfect timing. I can't wait to spit in this motherfucker's face. <laughs> yeah, spitting's good. No, I can spit onto something else. It's easier to talk shit on the radio than in real life, so we'll see. That's not true. It's easy to talk shit in general. It's it just is. not easy to actually do it. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. We'll see in two weeks. Yeah, we'll see what the future holds. <laughs> so apparently Janet, Miss Janet Jackson is having her first child. Is it her first? I don't know. Has she had another kid? Oh, maybe it is. I mean, no, she's just fat. I think, it's, I think it said it was her first job right yeah that's pretty amazing i never really pay attention to like children of the jacksons yeah because there was so much drama with michael jackson's children, children when they were born white when they were alive white and then when he died it was just white. one dramatic thing after the other and honestly he's not the father yeah they're they don't look like him right they don't I've seen, I saw them when they were younger, and then I think I saw a recent, excuse me. And they're, they're white. really white, like the surrogate mother. Yeah. I wonder who the donor was, who the father was. The mother is, is like the British lady, right? Yeah, some blonde woman. Did she used to Lisa. work for him? I don't know. I, don't I forget, this her. is so, a decade ago. Yeah, this was a while ago. Like, he died, what, 2009? Yeah. God, that was a while ago. Yeah. So, I don't... He died, and it was just a really sad um, decade for him, I think, because that's when all the shit went down with mm -hmm. Neverland and um, people coming forward and people realizing that maybe he's not all there mentally. And, I mean... I don't know. Was there even ever any proof of his abuse towards children? I think it was just kind of like... Speculation. Yeah. Because the same thing's happening right now with Woody Allen, where mm -hmm. he... There's been women who come forward saying that they were... He was abusive sexually towards them when they were children. And he keeps making movies and he keeps being successful and not only that but he has this big name a-listers kind of backing him up you know interesting so i don't know i don't know what to think and it's easy to just say that person's an abuser um it's not easy to say honestly but it's it's easy to for us to say somebody who's not the victim to say that right um 
but you got to think about where that all that came from like the source of it maybe it's definitely kind of like a some kind of a power play going on yeah i think yeah. that's I mean, part he didn't of marry it. his fucking daughter so <laughs> that's you know that's, that's already <laughs> points away from him so. <laughs> talented not, guy it's not hard to believe that he might he might have i don't know it's hard to say we're not judges there we're some people are just living on the edge yeah we could we could say that yeah. with certainty uh, do you remember the director roman polanski yeah his wife sharon tate was murdered but at least she was he pregnant fled. yeah he was doing something with like a 13 year old girl right. and then he has been making he made the the pianist as one of his Less yeah known ones right yeah and um not only that but we have something going on in our backyard i just read this story last night that it broke last week maybe or a few days ago where oakland police mm-hmm. were invest being investigated for a um sexual statutory rape with a minor um the same minor and all of them were having relationships relationships with her sexual relationships with one minor God. family style weird right and the only reason this came about was because one of them was so depressed uh, that he killed himself and he wrote basically an uh, he a suicide note but he also kind of made it like a manifesto like this this happened or not a manifesto but like a confession and he and he called out people from his apartment and it's all o- oakland pd and it's just like a whole mess and the girl has come forward on facebook she's now an adult she's an 18 at the time she was 16 when this started but she's come forward on facebook saying that she was just friends with them and like totally like playing it cool um but the fact of the matter is that she was a minor and even if you were friends with you it's inappropriate and that's not where tax money should have you know should be going to yeah that's pretty weird so men are creepy oh definitely and also it's against the law to do it for a reason you're not an adult when you're 16 years old you think you are but by law you're not an adult for another two years which still doesn't mean shit because you still don't know anything when you're 18 but whatever (laughs) at least that we we can't say not you know don't do it right because you're going to do it anyway (laughs) yep Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. I know how that goes. <laughs> young again. But, yeah, that's terrible. Well, I have more terrible news. Oh, okay. <laughs> Suck it to me. Uh, Asalia Banks and everybody, I'm sure, who's been online in the last week knows what's going on with her, or at least has heard of her name. And if you have it, more well, here you go. Celia Banks issues apology statement on Instagram, quoting, Allowing my anger to get the better of me, I've managed to insult millions of people without reason. End quote. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Celia Banks was recently suspended from Twitter and dropped from Rinse's FM Born and Bread Festival after she directed a series of racist tweets towards former One Direction member Sayan Malik. Banks previously offered a half a half apology via Twitter for her statement saying, not sorry I said it, but sorry by the way I made people feel. Mm-hmm. Today, she took her to her Instagram to offer a full apology for using racial slurs. 
see the post and read the full apology below and it says dear world now that the oh my god she's using big words in miss immediacy of the infamous incident was worn off i've had some time to decompress and take a more rational assessment of things this doesn't sound anything like what i thought she would sound like (laughs) somebody else wrote this for her (laughs) i want to extend my sincerest apologies to the world employing racial sexual slurs stereotypes and attempts to make fun of uh of or degrade another person or group is absolutely acceptable and it's not fair or fun for anyone allowing my anger to get the best of me i've managed to insult millions of people without reason and for that i give my dearest apologies sounds so sarcastic just sounds like people use twitter now just to you know everyone's like a fucking attention whore now hell yeah you know what i mean like we can't even live in the real world anymore it's all about like what shit somebody can stir up on twitter yeah that's really fucking pathetic you're losing your voice over this i know um who is she Uh, i think i heard one song that she did a collaboration with this other artist that i like but i believe she is one of the up-and-coming rapist female rapist rapist yeah rapist you mean (laughs) yes she's a word raper Um, well, good but yeah. well, I guess you gotta stir up some shit at some point. Yeah. You gotta do it. You gotta do what you got, though. You gotta do it. Well, I have a story about uh, Radiohead, because they just released uh, some new material. Mm-hmm. Moon Landing, the ninth Radiohead album, is out, and the world's a better place. After all the whisperings, Radiohead's new LP is upon us. It's a collection of songs. Excuse me. It's a collection of songs that have existed for a while, but never had proper studio versions, including True Love Waits and Identikit, plus the tracks Dex Dark, Glass Eyes, Tinker Tailor Soldier, Sailor Rich Man, Poor Man, Beggar Man, Thief. (laughs) I was like, wait, is it that movie again? Yeah. The letters. (laughs) You you remember that movie? I do. I do. Soldier Spy. The latter's title is taken from a 1695 nursery rhyme. The London Contemporary Orchestra provide the orchestration. Fans' reactions have ranged from tweets such as, it's boring, but I'll probably be obsessed in four more listens, to YouTube clips of fans munching pics... Munching? Munching pics of Tom York... (laughs) (laughs) yes they're eating his pictures i was like munching yeah that's exactly they're eating pictures of tom york this can be traced back to a reddit sub thread entitled time to settle this if lp9 is announced or released announced or released may 6th i guess it was released (laughs) i will be photo i will eat a photo of tom york diehards dutifully took up the challenge million dollar questions mystery surrounds a moon-shaped pool is this the last radiohead album some fans reckon so and their key piece of evidence is the inclusion of so many old favorites on it are the bands are the band tying up some loose ends 
What is the track listing in alphabetical order? When Google Play prematurely made the album available and promptly took it down, it was presumed the alphabetical track listing was a mistake, but no. Why isn't Spectre on the album? The band released the song in 2015 after it was rejected as the theme for the James Bond film of the same name, but it's not on uh, that new album. Is it relevant that the album opens with the word stay and ends with the word leave? Radiohead are thinkers, so probably. And there's a picture of Tom and Johnny Greenwood tinkering with a moon-shaped pool at La Fabrique Studios in France. That looks like a comfy room, huh? You're a comfy room. I want to be in the same room. (laughs) Uh, And there's... um, I don't even want to read about Axl Rose because I don't approve of that. <laughs> well, I have a story. Sorry, I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm uh, Snapchatting you. Oh no. Okay. You came out beautiful. Trust no, I'm me. Not. I have Beyonce. Beyonce, on the news. Uh, Beyonce's Lemonade. Earned title 1.2 million new subscribers in a week. And the reason I'm reading this is because it's ironic that she's earning her husband so much money. Uh, the album has been streamed 306 million times on title so far. Title signed up, uh, signed up 1.2 million, sorry, 1.2 million new users during the first week of Beyonce's new album, Lemonade, was available on a streaming service. The New, the new York Times, oh my God, I can't see. <laughs> that includes free trials. Um, so it might not even stay for the whole month. In March, Tidal said it had 3 million users. Tidal remains the only place to legally stream Lemonade, though it is available to download elsewhere and is also on sale in physical versions. According to data, the service provided uh, provided to the Times songs from Lemonade have been streamed 306 million times worldwide. Of those, 229 million, roughly 75%, were in the U.S. streams. Plus, Tidal counts 11 million streams of the album accompanying film, which premiered on HBO. Beyonce's husband, Jay-Z, bought Tidal last year, and she is the partner in the business. Pitchfork has reached out to Tidal representative for comment. Um, Did you get the comment? No comment. That's where it ended. (laughs) All right, so I guess that makes sense. That's how they ended their story. Um, Oh, you can read Breaking Down Beyonce. No, don't read that. Um, You... I thought this story was interesting because everybody keeps saying um, if she's so mad at her husband, why does she keep making him money? And the reason I think that is, and it's pretty obvious, is because they're still married and it's still one income and she is part of title as well. Mm -hmm. So she's not really making her husband money. She's making her household money. Mm. Booyah. She's the breadwinner. Think about that. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Put when's, in. When's the last time you heard a Jay-Z album dropping? Not for like 15 years. Yeah. Oh, oh. she's in charge of the one. For sure. Good for her. Um, I haven't watched the video yet, but there's like an hour-long uh, 
film, I guess, or video for Lemonade, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be... The visual part of it? Yeah, kind of the whole backstory of this other girl, you know, making an appearance in there. Oh, really? Yeah, in between. Somebody that J- that I guess Jay-Z was seeing on the side. One Becky? of his side chicks, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Seems to be a recurring theme, huh? Um, let's see. Mm. I have a story from the enemy. Uh, it's called Electric Dreams. The electro R&B artist reaches into the heavens for her otherworldly second album. It says Jesse Lanza, and the album's called Oh No, and they describe it as girlish, electronic, and airy. In the days and weeks following Prince's death, it's been easy to hear echoes of his genius everywhere you tilt your ears. And in Jesse Lanza's Canada, his influence is undeniable. I thought it was a girl. Oh. oh, okay, I get it. Lanza's reliance on a soft 80s groove layered with funk-rooted electronica is pure Paisley Park. And her lush, airy vocals float like candy floss across the, to- uh, across the top of it all. A one-time jazz student, 31-year-old Lanza, released her debut album, Pull My Hair Back, in 2013 on South London's Wolfily Leftfield Hyperdub label, also home to atmospheric dubstep artist Burial. She remains with the label for her second outing, which fizzes with immaculate minimalism, co-produced by Jeremy Greenspan from acclaimed electropop duo Junior Boys, who's also her partner, Oh No, revels in a combination of girlish vocals and twinkling electronica. Seemingly existing on a higher plane, this feels like upended R&B beamed down from outer space, encapsulating everything from the smoothness of Sade to the edginess of Aaliyah. Even the cover art is otherworldly. Lanza draped in a glittery robe. Like a member of the late cosmic great Sunra's interplanetary jazz funk orchestra. I remember that. The songs themselves are a celestial mix. From the jittering, glitchy, house-inflected banger at It Means I Love You and the squelchy disco soul of Never Enough to the more meditative Vivica and slow-burning begins. Album opener New OG pulses with prettiness, setting the shimmering tone for the eight songs that follow. Single VV Violence takes the giddy bounce of London's cyberpop label PC Music and turns it into something far less annoying, while Itog BB starts out like the Blade Runner theme but morphs into a slinky soundtrack for seduction. Despite the wide range of moods, each track is given its own breathing space. The songs also revel in femininity, a trait often stripped from the mainstream of electro music, which can too often feel like a bullshit boys club. <laughs> so here's to Jesse Lanza doing it for the girls. We're pretty sure Prince would approve. And they recommend it for fans of Prince and Aaliyah. That's interesting. Her glasses kind of remind me of uh, Janice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought fell asleep. Oh. <laughs> stamp it out. Stamp it out. Stamp. <laughs> well, that's all I had. Um, I was going to, since we weren't here last week, I was going to 
air an interview that I did with Robbie Gray from Modern English. They're going to mm-hmm. be performing tonight at the Oakland Metro Opera House. And I believe the address is 522 2nd Street, or it's kind of, if you get off 12th Street BART, or if you live in Oakland, you walk down Broadway all the way towards the water. And then um, it's a relatively, well, the building's been around, I guess, about 15 years. I've only been there once, but I guess they have, they hold events there regularly. But I think recently, the past couple of years, they've been using it as a music venue for like hardcore good. metal good we need there needs to be more venues that host metal and hardcore bands i just the one thing that i remember about going to see gary newman was it was so freaking hot in there but it could have just been like that time of the month but i don't know <laughs> it was like you don't remember. i don't remember i go that far back i just remember fuck it was hot. what year was that to the, like 2013 i think oh okay yeah, it's the last time I went there. And the last time I went to see a show in Oakland was, I think, October when I went to see Gang of Four. Right. I haven't been going over there as often as I have in the past. But that's it's okay. a hassle for me to get yeah. over there. Yeah, it's, it really is. It's yeah. like you have to make a, a plan to go over there and... Be here on time. It's like, am I going to make the last BART train? Do I really want to walk that far? It's like one question. Where do after. I go? <laughs> it's like what one do question. I do? But um, if it's like if it's downtown Oakland, it's a little bit easier to figure it out because yeah. it's it's right there. But we could always see if we can crash at my friend Keith's house. We could, but he lives in Berkeley though, right? He lives in Ashby, whatever that oh. is. I think it's between Berkeley and Oakland. Yeah, I like Ashby. Um. So anyways, I guess we could play that now, and then we have a couple songs for you guys as well. Um, Wait, I don't have it queued up. All right, so let's play some songs while we queue up the interview. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio. I I have a tag for it. You need to turn that off.
said 12, I swear. That was Modern English. They're performing tonight. Um, they're actually performing songs from this particular album, which is called Mesh and Lace. That's their first album. And also, I think possibly earlier material, like demos, I guess, before the first album came out. That song's called Gathering Dust. And before that was Craftwork, who I saw a couple of years ago. That's from the album Tour de France, uh, France, Regeneration. And before that was the new single from the Stone Roses, All for One. And before that is the Red Hot Chili Peppers with their new song, Dark Necessities. And before that was one of Radiohead's new songs, Daydreaming. From All new songs from old bands. <laughs> but they're Love good, it. though. Yeah. I mean, I, I like all of them. Me too. And, um, yeah, again, Modern English is playing at the Oakland Metro Opera House. If you don't already have tickets, I think they're $20 each. And um, the Metro, the Oakland Metro isn't too hard to find. It's just a little bit out of the way in terms of um, from where BART is, if you're coming from outside of Oakland. Uh, but it's still worth it. I mean, if you've never been there, it's worth checking out, I think. There's also another two other venues over there. There's the Nightlight, which I've never been to. That's on Broadway. That's like a block or two away from the Metro. And then there's, if you walk all the way towards the water, another two blocks up is Yoshi's. Hmm. Yoshi's in Oakland. I never got a chance to go to that one. I've always gone to the one, the one that was on Fillmore. Fillmore. That one was easier to get to. Um, yeah, at least I got to go to the one in Fillmore once. Right, and then it goes down, <laughs> and then it was gone. <laughs> yeah, because you never know in the city right now. Venues are, you know, new ones are popping up, and then the old ones that have been around for decades are slowly disappearing. But um, we're going to do a show at Slim's in a week and a half. We're going to see the Buzzcocks, hopefully, in case. They closed that venue down. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to jinx it, but um, that one's been around for a minute. So, um, and you know, they, they hold shows pretty consistently as well. And then what I thought was really weird was that the Uptown closed and we thought that was dead and gone. And now they're kind of up and running again. They're up and running, but they're, they're doing more local uh, burlesque type shit. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. That's yeah. kind of interesting. Because that was kind of at the moment when we realized, oh, this is like a, a snowball effect. Like, it's kind of starting to happen pretty often. But yeah. um, it's taking over. Yeah. So anyways, without further ado, here's my interview with Robbie Gray from Modern English. Robbie, are you still with me? I'm still with you, don't worry. Awesome. That's, this is always the hardest part of the interview, making sure um, the other person's on the other side. Right, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you guys are doing a lot of rehearsals right now. Tell us a little bit about um, what we can expect on the upcoming tour of the state. Yeah, we do, well, we're, we're going to be, um, for the first time ever, we're going to be playing the whole of the Mission Life album. In its entirety, so there's quite a few songs on on the album that we've never played live before. So, you know, we're in the rehearsal room, 
you know, long days getting ready to come over to play the songs for you guys. Um, it's just uh, really exciting because it's our first album that we're playing and, you know, it's got nothing to do with I Melt With You and things like that. It's more the kind of edgy early stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited to be playing it and it's really good fun to go back and um, and rehearse it all, you know? Right, definitely kind of maybe rehashes some old memories of when you were first writing the album. Yeah, when we were young. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're talking about an album from, I think it was 1980 or 81. It was a long time ago. Right, back in the day. Uh, so yeah. you're going to be playing, um, you're going to be at Oakland. You're going to be playing at the Metro Opera House in Oakland. Have you guys ever played there before? No, it looks like I've, I've been in touch with the promoter recently, and it looks like an amazing venue, like a performing yeah. arts type place. Exactly, it's huge. <laughs> so, and you have a couple, you have a couple local acts that are going to be opening for you as well, right? Yeah, I think um, you know the sort of sound of the Mesh and Lace albums, that sort of post-punk sort of sound, and I think. The guys who were booking us Forbidden Colours wanted to put on some of the bands that are making that kind of music now. So it's kind of like pulling them together. I think it's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know why there's this sort of post-punk resurgence. Maybe you could tell me. Um, but there seems to be a, a real kind of... I don't know, people seem to be listening to that kind of music again. Not so much the kind of keyboards, yeah. that, you know, the Flock of Seagulls, Duran Duran thing, but more the kind of cure joy division thing seems to be happening all over again it's kind of strange definitely and when i was a teenager listening to post-punk nobody knew what i was talking about like maybe one or two people knew about it back in the day but now it's kind of like you're saying it's there's a resurgence more people more people are are buying vinyl again people are you know with the internet maybe it's actually the best thing that ever happened to punk rock well, I've got a theory that people are so bored with modern music, you know, they're so yeah. bored with, you know, X Factor, The Voice, all this rubbish that's just fed down the TV channel over here, that they're kind of almost going back to look forward, if you know what I mean. They're, they're sort of listening to bands that maybe they wouldn't have listened to before, just to sort of get some inspiration, maybe. I don't know. Definitely. No, I I definitely agree with you. So maybe it's a good thing. Maybe... Um, you know, people are releasing their own material. You just did a Kickstarter campaign, right? Yeah, I just think it's, um, you know, the post-punk sound had a sort of, um, you know, musicianship wasn't great, let's put it that way. So people would use uh, effects and um, sort of sound structures and, and, you know, it wasn't all about being great musically, it was more about ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what's coming you know, coming across to people, it's sometimes the musicianship's not as important as the ideas you have and how you use sound. And a lot of that post-punk stuff is all about sound, really. It's about, uh, you know, feedback from guitars and wild sounds coming out of analog keyboards that people pay a fortune to get hold of now, these analog keyboards. We've still got them <laughs> from the yeah. first time round. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're experiencing in the, in the UK, but I've been reading articles about local music venues closing in London in particular, and it's kind of happening here in San Francisco, too. How do you feel about people having access to live music and being able to um, cough up, you know, an extra dollar or two to be able to catch their favorite band? Do you think that, that that's at risk? 
I, I just think it's all, all part of the dumbing down of people, you know. It's, it's not just live music, it's live anything. It's just being alive, you know. I mean, I don't know, when I, when I was a kid, 17, 18, 19, 20, I was going to see bands, you know, every night nearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's such an exciting live music sort of scene. I think uh, the bad side of the internet, in a way, is the fact that, you know, the World Wide Web is, you can pretty much get up anything you want to and watch it. You can watch bands in concert, you can watch excerpts of certain songs being played on YouTube that are live, you know, so in some ways, unless you really want to go to an auditorium and enjoy that live experience, which is what I wanted to do when I was young, Mm-hmm. If you're kind of completely sitting in a room watching this stuff through a screen all the time, then you don't even know what the live experience is, do you? It's a, right. a different thing. So I don't know. I, I'm an old man, so I'm not a, a young guy. But um, I just know that when I was young, I wanted to feel, uh, look at the artwork of an album. I wanted to understand the sound of the album and why it was made. I wanted to see what the people looked like. It seems like all those things aren't really important anymore to me. Yeah, it's, unfor- it's unfortunate. I guess I could say my generation was kind of the changeover from uh, from vinyl, CDs, tapes to the digital world, and I can definitely see some of the things being lost. You know, some of the things I enjoyed growing up, I still enjoy doing it, but I see what you're saying in terms of how you know my generation and later on it's kind of losing its touch it's losing its emotional connection if you will with with the music and i think that's a shame i think um hopefully um hopefully things will change now that we're seeing you know people are going out and buying vinyl and people are going to festivals and people are making an effort to support local music because that's something that i've always done and i hope people will continue to do that. <laughs> so, I, think, I think, you know, also the, the kind of whole dance music thing that happened, you know, was really massive here in Britain, mm-hmm. in London and Manchester and places like that. It was, it was enormous. And that took a lot of people away from live music. You know, they're more interested in, you know, taking some drugs and just sort of jumping up and down all night, which is fair enough, listening to beats, you know, and sound. I mean, that, the whole generation of people went away from guitar music or, mm-hmm. or live bands playing in Britain right. because of that. But there, I think you're right. There is definitely a, a, a you know a certain amount of people that are looking for it again, and I think that's why that this post-punk thing is maybe quite big. Mhm. Yep. And you guys are going to be playing May 14th at Oakland Metro Opera House, and yeah. like four opening bands, which I think is amazing. You don't really see that anymore unless it's a festival, but um, that's going to be really exciting. And um, people should go to your official website. Is that the best place to go to find out more about the upcoming tour dates or anything new and exciting? Yeah, we've got you, you know we've got the usual stuff, the Facebook page. The mm-hmm. band's got a Facebook page. We've got a Twitter account. I don't have anything to do with any of that, but you can find all the dates on there. We're playing in Seattle's our first concert, and that's on the 11th. Mm-hmm. And then we're playing in Portland on the 12th. Mm-hmm. And then I think we've got a day off, and then we're with you, or I can't really remember mm-hmm. all of it. But then we go down the West Coast to Los Angeles. We've got a big concert there. Mm-hmm. And then we come down to San Diego, 
going over to Phoenix, to Texas, to Florida, to Georgia, and then up sort of towards the East Coast. So we've got uh-huh. about 20 concerts, but it's all there on Facebook, on our Facebook page. Awesome. And that's kind of interesting that you have a following in the South. I'd be interested to research that more. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we've been finding out that we're playing some sort of smaller places, you know, mm-hmm. sort of as we leave the West Coast and in between the West Coast and the East Coast, we're playing some like a place, a place called Earl's in Atlanta, which you have, no, three, four hundred people. Mm-hmm. And then the same in, you know, these interesting little bars that we really, we really like playing small places, actually. Mm-hmm. So we're quite excited to do this Mesh and Lace tour, which will be quite a lot of sonic, a lot of sound, you know, a lot of atmosphere to it. We're really looking forward to it. So we've always done well in America, to be honest with you, whether it be playing mm-hmm. this sort of stuff or, you know, I Melt With You and After The Snow, which is more commercially successful. Mm-hmm. We've always been popular in the States, so it's nice. And and why why do you think that you guys did so well here in the States? No idea. No idea. I think <laughs> maybe MTV helped us uh, back in the day because we were one of the first bands to be on MTV when it launched. And they used to show the Melt With You video, which cost $1,000 to make. <laughs> they used to show that about six times a day or something like that. So a lot of people got to see us through the TV back then. Um, I think that had a lot to do with it. That's helpful. (laughs) What what inspired you to continue making music? Um, Being creative is the most important thing of all of it. you know, financially, we don't really have to worry. We, you know, we've, we're all okay money-wise. We haven't got to kind of, you know, worry about money. So we're lucky in that sense. But being creative is really important. The most important thing to all of us, I think, is to, to you know, for me, as the person who writes the words, is to, you know, write new words and work on the music and always try and sort of, go forward a little bit and we've just been doing a new album which we're mixing at the moment mm-hmm. and it's been exciting to work in a studio you know with all this new media stuff you know we're using logic programming and with live drums and stuff it's all kind of technical stuff but just just we like being creative so that, that that's the most important thing and and for me lyrically to you know to write about things that are important to me um, is really important, and if I can get that out in in songs through modern English, and that's great. I'm really happy about that. Awesome. Are there any places that you've been to on tour or on vacation that were inspirational for you? Yeah, I've got uh, me, me and my wife. My wife and I, we've got a house in Thailand. Oh, nice. And um, yeah, we live on a really small island out there, so the nature there is, is amazing. You know. I can you know, the sea and the, and the birds and, and everything. So I get a lot of inspiration from nature. Mm-hmm. And that goes all the way back to, you know, After the Snow, the album After the Snow, the second album we made after National Lace, has got a lot of references to nature. So that, that so that's really nice. Um, mm-hmm. And travelling, travelling's really important. To get to, to get to see other countries and other cultures is really good as well. Mm-hmm. 
And where do you see the band going in the future after the, this U.S. tour is done and the album comes out? Where do you see the band in the next couple of years? Well, after this long tour, and yeah, we'll probably have to go on a holiday. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it just depends on what happens with a new album. I don't. We've got a manager in New York. He'll take the new album and listen to it and decide what to do with it. And there's interest from some record companies already, so we'll just wait and see about that. But at the moment, we're really excited. Honestly, this is the most excited uh, I've been about at all for years. Uh, playing this Mission Lace album, so mm-hmm. I'm just really looking forward to getting out in front of some people and playing these kind of early songs of ours, because we're going to be playing some early singles from the 4AD years as well, our very early singles on 4AD, so it's our first album on 4AD and our very early singles, so we're really looking forward to it. Awesome, and who would you say are your biggest influences musically? Well, it's funny. We were we were playing some Bowie songs today, and just you know, he was a big influence on all of us when we were young and mm-hmm. growing up in England, which was a very bleak sort of place in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Bowie was so colourful, you know. When you'd see him on TV, he would he would be a big influence. Uh, Roxy music, same back all the way back then. But then, of course, you move forward to the punk thing and the Sex Pistols and the Clash. You know, that that would be why we started making music, really, is, is when the punk thing happened, because it gave us inspiration that, you know, that we could do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you know, the post-punk thing, which we were completely part of, and bands like Joy Division, Wire, mm-hmm. you know, The Gang of Four, these were all bands that we listened to. I wouldn't say they influenced us, but we were, we were all part of the same time, really, as those bands. Mm-hmm. That was a big scene going on. <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. It was really exciting to be mm-hmm. around making music then. I tell you, it was in England, especially where it was all coming out of. Mm-hmm. It was very exciting. And when you guys are recording, do you guys go to into a studio to record? Do you guys still do that, or do you prefer to record? Yeah, my friend, uh, the bass player, the bass player Nick Conroy, he's got a space in a. In a kind of art studio, we've got a kind of couple of rooms, and they've got a big gallery there where we kind of recorded all the stuff live, the drums and the guitars, the vocals, and then we've got a little room next to that where we kind of got the, you know, our little desk and all the all the different effects and and uh, the Logic program running with it, mm-hmm. and we've just been doing it for we've actually been working on it for a couple of years now, the album, but it, it's just about to. We're just about to finish mixing it next week, and then we'll master it the week after, and then it'll be finished. It's been a quite a long, um, a long project, really, but we're really excited about it. I'm excited too. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, I, I actually saw you guys for the first time when you played in Santa Cruz on the boardwalk. You remember that show? All right, I remember that. <laughs> We played two. I think we played two sets there, didn't we? I think so. Yeah, I think I caught the later one because I was driving. I remember how bloody hot it was. You know, so sunny. We're not used to that over here. <laughs> what was your what well, What is your perception of doing something like that versus playing inside a venue? Is it more fun to be on the beach? Or well, I, I find it quite funny. It's a very American sort of situation to be in. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, people sitting on the beach, lounging back in chairs and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. 
Because you don't really get that in England. That doesn't really happen. Because <laughs> one, the weather's not good enough. And, and two, people tend to sort of either be inside all the time watching gigs, unless you get a few, you know, like Glastonbury or something in the summer. But generally, I mean, it's quite, it quite exciting for us to play those sort of things because, you know, you wouldn't normally... We wouldn't normally play to an audience like that. So you can spend, I can spend as a lead singer a lot of time looking at the people. You know, I quite like looking at Californians especially. <laughs> Not a crazy place <laughs> to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, is your, what is your favorite venue that you play that in San Francisco? Oh, venues in San Francisco. Oh, God. I'd have to go. My memory's not good enough to remember them all. <laughs> but we did play a place. I can't remember what it was called. We played in San Francisco um, two years ago, the DNA Lounge. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was good. But my favourite place would have been the very first place we played, which was like a really old ballroom. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. It's probably not even there anymore. We're talking like uh. 1983 or something like that. It was a beautiful, beautiful place. I can't remember the name of it, but we played in San Francisco so many times. But the last time we played was the DNA Lounge. Awesome. Well, you're going to be in Oakland on May 14th. And there's a couple opening bands, and everyone in the Bay Area should be in attendance, right? Absolutely. And um, (laughs) I'll tell you another place we played. Just across from San Francisco, there's that really nice kind of harbor area. Um, uh, quite oh, art, Mer- lots of artists there. Oh, Mer- uh, uh, No, it was closer than that, I think. Oh, I can't. My memory's not good, but mm-hmm. we played there as well. We did an arts festival there a couple of years ago, very oh, close okay. to San Francisco. Maybe Marin. Um, but yeah, everyone should come down to the concert. Definitely, yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> you know, I'm really looking forward to playing in that space. Actually, it looks really nice. Yes, well, we look forward to having you, and thanks so much for taking the time today. You're welcome, Alicia. And um, we'll be seeing you on May 14th. Yeah, if you you come to the concert, come and say hello, okay? All right, will do. All right, nice talking to you. All right, have a great rest of your evening. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Okay, take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. That was a long one. Oh, <laughs> you guys didn't want to say bye. That was a good. That was a good one, though. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to get them. You know, sometimes they only want to do like you kind of can gauge. Oh, they only want to do something quickly. But at least he was, you know, willing to. He was really into it, and so was I. But anyways, um, I was gonna pull up the event page for tonight's show uh, modern english is headlining at uh, the oakland metro opera house and there are a few bands opening up oh here they are soft kill wax idols crimson scarlet ink bats and the screaming bloody marys and uh, oakland metro is an all-ages venue and there's also a full bar, so make sure to bring your ID if you're 21 and over. And I think the doors are open now. 
And let's see, the description says, UK post-punk legends Modern English performing their early 4AD material with support from Soft Kill, Wax Idols, Crimson Scarlet, The Ink Bats, and Screaming Bloody Marys. So definitely go check it out if you're looking for something to do tonight. Um, I believe uh, there's a bus that goes up and down. There's more than one bus that goes up and down Broadway. And um, also uh, the closest BART station is 12th Street. Um, Yeah, 12th and Broadway. That would be the closest uh, BART stop for that. Uh, And I guess we can play a couple more songs for you guys. And stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio. Myself into a soul 
Tenemos más influencia con sus hijos que tú tienes. Pero los queremos. Creado y regado de Los Ángeles. Juana's Adicción. 
back to Radiohead. <laughs> That's kind of, I can totally see them like Mer- morphing, yeah. merging. Like that kind of works. But, uh, <laughs> it does. Um, that was the first single from our friends uh, Deadleaf Echo. Uh, they're based in New York City and they were here last year, September, and then they were here the year before that and I got to checked them out this time around i think was the first time we got to i got to see them yeah i didn't get to see them um and that was their first single kingmaker and since then they've released two albums wow Um, good for them mm -hmm. and they're they're all pretty good and um i can't wait to see them again the next time they're in town so that'll be something to look forward to later this year and uh, before that was the B-52s, who are going to be performing at the Mountain Winery. The song's called Running, Ar- Running Around from the album Wild Planet. And before that was the Buzzcocks, who are going to be in town on May 25th. They're going to be headlining at Slim's. And a band from the East Coast called Residuals are going to be opening. And this was um, 16 again from one of the John Peel sessions that they did. And before that was The Cure with Why Can't I Be Like You?, and they're going to be performing at Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View on May 26. Crystal's going to I'll be there in the lawn. Them. And uh, before that was Jane's Addiction from mm. uh, the album Ritual de lo Habitual. And I think they're doing like the 25-year anniversary for that album, or 20-year anniversary. Ooh. I can't remember. I think it's 20, 20 years. <laughs> Maybe it's 30. Oh, God. No, <laughs> you never know these days. Um, the song's called Stop. And I think they're going to be at the Warfield, right? Or the Regency. I can't remember. Well, those are two very different venues. <laughs> I think Warfield, <laughs> yeah, right? So that makes more sense. Because I, I remember um, when I went to go to... Um, Oh, we didn't go to that bar together. The sh- the showdown bar. We were going to go there, but we ended up going to the other one instead. Right. Monarch. Um, the Monarch bar. But anyways, I was going to meet someone there for the first time. And Jane's Addiction was playing at the Warfield and all of their... Uh, all of their equipment right. was on the street and it's labeled it's cl- clearly labeled Jane's addiction so I was kind of like well maybe I can like tuck my way in <laughs> or you could like take the instrument out and then sneak and, and then put yourself in the box and be like yeah push me backstage and then they open you up and you're like <sighs> that would have that would have been an experience you should have done it everything's possible at the work Anything the word possible. Field. Oh, you talked your way in there. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. That's how I know. <laughs> that was funny. Um, that was fun, though. That was a really good show. The one that we saw. Smashing. The Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, every t- every time I've seen them, it's been pretty good. Even the last one that we saw was... Oh, the last one was superb. Yeah. I do kind of... I was kind of like, kind of like fuck. Every, after we saw them, that's when they did all the little reunions with... Uh, exactly. James Ziha yeah. and Darcy. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll be back next year. And maybe they'll be the original ones. Yes. But the um, Bib-52s are also going to be performing, right? Um, yeah, they're going to be at the Mountain Winery, I think, next Friday. Or this yeah. Friday, I'm May sorry. May 20th. Uh-huh. And I don't think I've ever been there, but me neither. It's really it's out of the way for us. It's um in a t- in a town called Saratoga, which I think is close to San Jose. 
Ooh. So it's, yeah, it's kind of a ways away, but they're having a lot of revival shows there this summer. I think the Go-Go's are playing there. Um, you know, UB40, that sort of thing. Oh, apparently Yaysayer is going to be at the Fillmore on the 31st of May. Mm-hmm. I've never seen them. I always wanted to. But I'm assuming because it's at the Fillmore and it's Yaysayer who usually performs at the Fox that mm-hmm. the show is probably sold out. Son of a... Son of a The Fox would be fun. I haven't been there in a while. Yeah, me neither. I think last time we went to see... It was either Pet Shop Boys. I think it was not Pet Shop Boys. Um, simple, uh, simple Minds. Uh, Tears for Fears. Yeah. Was that the last time we went? Oh my God, no. Was it? No, Lily Allen. Oh, you're right, Lily Allen. October. That was still a while back. 2015. God, that was a while. Well, actually, or 2014. I, I'm sorry. Yes, I went to see her new album had come out. It's not new anymore. Coalwork hits. So I, I think I've been there more recently mm-hmm. than. That's that was a, last year. That's a good one. Yeah. And um, before Jane's addiction was Oasis, who it's always rumored they're going to get back together. And the song's called Half the World Away. And before that was The Who, who are actually going to be playing at the Oracle Arena with uh, a legal matter from The Who Sings My Generation. And yeah, don't forget, uh, Modern English is going to be playing tonight at the Oakland Metro Opera House and I believe the address is either 522 or 552 Second Street so it's literally a hop skip and a jump away from the 12th Street BART station and any buses um, that go up and down Broadway will take you right there um, so it's pretty ex- pretty accessible it's just out of the way from you know the down a little away from the downtown area it's closer to uh, Jack London Square so definitely go check it out um, uh, if you missed my interview with Robbie Gray the lead singer of Modern English you can hear this podcast um, later this evening I believe the podcast is pretty reliable here and again you've been listening to another edition of Sounds from the Street I've been your humble host and we're going to sign off a little bit early today uh, we might be back next weekend but I don't have anything planned yet but you never know Know what may happen. You never know. Keep an open mind, folks. Stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio. Right now, it's Trina Roderick. She's got a face. Thank you. I was actually on my way here walking down Mission and there was a homeless guy laying in the street with his feet out and his shoes off and his his feet of course looked like you know fat sausages that were you know that were barbecued and fell in the in the coal right of course but the problem is that there was this there was this the very clean fresh white substance on the, one of his feet that he was twinkling which, of course, is alarming. You need to know that immediately. Like, if there's cum on a homeless guy's feet, <laughs> his dick might be out. And you need to know that. Have you guys ever seen a homeless guy's dick? It's super pink. Super pink. You know how those, right? It's, like, clean and pink and, like, ugh. Like, lips. Anyway. But then there was tons of, then I realized there's also, like, this major smear of mayonnaise on the floor just just out, uh, just next to his feet, and I realized there was obviously a mayo mishap here. 
I wanted to stop and find out what the Mayo mishap was, <laughs> but I didn't. Um, so this morning, I didn't get up fast enough to give my cat her treats, and so she decided to get off the bed via the nightstand, which gives her the excuse, and I'm putting the word excuse in quotes, to put her butt next to my face on the pillow and hold it there while she sniffs all the things on the nightstand. I just, I feel like somebody out there might like the fact that within the last 24 hours there was a sentient being who made the decision to put her shit-crusted asshole as close to my face as she possibly could for the specific purpose of sending me a message. Right? <laughs> that was on purpose. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, okay, so I realized, okay, I'm going to be 47 in July, you know, as our birthdays come up. And I'm like, I, uh, I, uh, I definitely would not fuck me if I was in my late 30s. And here's how I know. <laughs> I've got reasons. Uh, reason number one is that, um, well, when I was in my late 30s, okay, that's reason number one is I shaved shit. Like, I, I've done stuff. I was a trial lawyer in LA. I wasn't a little bit fish in a big pond. Like, that's the biggest shark tank in America. Like, I have stories. What can I say? <laughs> shark stories. <laughs> um, reason number two is that um, when I was in my late 30, I, 30s, and because that's going to happen a lot, right? Like, I'm going to say, uh, I was set up on a blind date with Mark Wozniak, who's the younger brother of Steve Wozniak, who started Apple Computer, right? And so um, we met at this posh Woodenville Inn, this posh.com place back then, and as we're in the lobby waiting for my date to show up, they run into an old friend who looks just like Humpty Dumpty, <laughs> which I'm kind of <coughs> intrigued by because now we have a story, right? This is a story officially. And uh, so I'm kind of half paying attention to this conversation that I don't really need to be involved in because it's getting caught up, and half looking at the door for my date, Prince Charming, to arrive. <laughs> and out of nowhere, out of nowhere, the waitress seats us. And I'm like, wait, why is Humpty? This, wait, what, wait, what, wait, what, wait, what? Damn. Right? And then at dinner, I find out he's 47. I pull my friend aside. I was like, hold up. Your boy is pushing 50? I don't think so. I was like, the only Humpty I'm going to dumpty is Chris Farley. You know this about me. We have we never met? Anyway, I know, I know everybody likes to fuck over and under a lawyer, but come on. <laughs> Thank you. Comments, I have comments. I think that um, you can make the mayonnaise homeless thing, you can mix that in with the cat, because you said that his dick was all pink and pristine and your cat's ass is all crusty and gross and covered with poo. So I think that there might be some sort of like mushing well, them together, like. I was just riffing the mayo thing, because that really oh. did happen on the way here and we were talking about mayo earlier. Oh, okay. I, didn't, I didn't actually plan that one. Well, I was just uniting the audience with a, 
I don't know. I enjoyed the mayonnaise. It, it, worked, it worked, worked okay? I'm All down right. with the mayonnaise. I was just thinking you could just put something with like, maybe he needs to be in the Mayo Clinic. I thought that would be a punchline on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's, right, there's right, been right, a mayonnaise right. incident Should I, here. Right, right. Should I call the Mayo Clinic? Should I call the Mayo Clinic? Yeah. There's been a mayonnaise. The 9-1 Mayo Clinic. Yeah, there's something like. Yeah, there we go. I mean, uh, I, I, mean I thought of a tag. It might be a little too gross, maybe weird for a girl. But uh, if I was doing that joke, I would say like, have you ever seen a homeless guy's dick? I mean, I've came on one's feet, but uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's me. But uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you made a weird joke about coming on a guy's feet, uh, <laughs> tell me about it slowly. <laughs> that's a good joke for yourself. That's funny. Yeah. Tell me about it slowly. You need to develop that fetish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody should be foot-fucking any homeless people. I think that that's going over the edge. For the purposes of comedy. For the pur- Yes, of course. <laughs> All right. What about my Wozniak story? Oh, yeah. I got, I got some comments. Okay. I like it, um, but I, I need more detail. I'm not sure okay. why why you wouldn't fuck you. But like, that didn't come clear. No, I wouldn't fuck him. Oh, but you said you wouldn't fuck yourself if you were mm. in your 30s. Right, because now I'm 47. Well, you can't. But Wait, what? <laughs> what, 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 what the started the story with I wouldn't fuck like I'm 47 and I wouldn't fuck myself if I were in my 30s and, yeah. this, is, and this is why right and why why because when I was in my 30s, I wouldn't fuck anybody that close to 50. Okay. Right? Okay. Like, I wouldn't do that. Oh. Why would I ask somebody? Why would okay. somebody? Because I wouldn't. Guy, I wouldn't because fuck of me. Humpty Dumpty. But he was looked like Humpty Dumpty also. But I just wanted to make, I've just got like one tag. So I assume that this, they're in the high tech community, these people. Wozniak's little brother, is he also a tech kind of guy? Does he do tech I things? doubt it. I don't know. I don't okay. recall. I, I assume you say Wozniak, I assume it's tech, and you say, he runs into a friend who looks like Humpty Dumpty. Well, you know, not wait, un- you know who's... St- see, I should have I explained well, that. I, but, but, okay, so, but I, I thought if this is like a high-tech story or these are tech guys, he looks like Humpty Dumpty, which is not unheard of in the older male nerd community. Because <laughs> I know well, guys that look like that that are like... Well, his Google, brother, like I mean, it, I should have realized. His brother, have you, you know what Steve Wozniak looks yeah. like. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't figure out... I didn't see the connection between Humpty Dumpty and your date for a while. I thought they were two separate things. It well, took so did I for uh, a long time. Yeah. That was kind of the point. Like, I didn't realize for the first however that we were talking to my date. I was seriously like, no, there's no way they set me up with this guy. Oh, uh, okay. So did he, did he know okay. what you looked like and come over and introduce himself? Or Well, yeah, but I didn't pay attention. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm right, like, right, right. I was like, so there was, it just like, never, yeah, I was, yeah. I was confused for a while. That's. You were just so happy to go on a date. I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. Same, I like or like that. Right, right. Okay. I, yeah, I, anyway, okay, thank you. Well, no, that's the whole thing. She was waiting for a date. She was looking at the door. See, I popped that. I caught that part. She was looking at the door, waiting for a date, and then the waitress was like, okay, comes he seated, and she's like, wah, wah, wah. So that's the moment where you have to be like, holy shit, Humpty Dumpty is my date. Okay, all right. Like, you've got, got to have a got moment it. where you're like, right. yeah. where you recognize yeah. that's what's happening. Well, I need to cut anyway. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Kung's not here, so we're going to pass him and move on to our next comedian who is here. Uh, she hasn't been here in a while, and I'm really excited that she's joined us today. Put your hands together. It's Moon Show! Hi. Um, uh, I, uh, 
I started couples therapy what? by myself. Um, <laughs> that's how it's supposed to go, I think, when you want to um, sustain your unsustainable relationship for as long as possible. Um, but yeah, it's going really well, uh, except I have a sneaking suspicion that my boyfriend has broken up with me through my therapist, and I'm the only one that doesn't know about it. Um, but yeah, but I don't know, like, we'll, we'll see. I'll see her on Friday, so um, I don't know. If he has, I think I'm going to break up with my therapist through my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> um, would be appropriate. I, um, but yeah, no. Uh, he's not my boyfriend anymore. We broke up. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It made sense. Um, I feel like uh, every fight, we, we, I mean, I guess... How do I want to word this? Uh, makes sense because I, uh, no, sorry. Next joke. Uh, um, he was the type of person, he, um, he had a special filter for his water uh, because he thought there was a government conspiracy to uh, fill us with fluoride uh, to make us docile and dumb. Um, and he didn't want any part of that. So I was like, well, I can understand if I'm dumb because of fluoride, but what is your excuse? Um, it's probably not that good of a joke to burn your ex on stage if it's not that good. <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, I've been um, basically on the world's most adorable bender. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like, but it's like a healthy bender. I feel like it's, um, I have a very healthy relationship with alcohol now, and like a healthy relationship with like a goofy amount of ketamine, um. and um, it feels really good. Uh, I, hmm was um, on the bus the other day and um, it was stalled for like 10 minutes and there was a Chinese bus driver talking to a black lady and, uh, and there was a bunch of people on the bus and the only people that yelled at the bus driver was like this old white couple and I thought to myself, I was like, oh, maybe it's just like, I don't think, maybe racism isn't like a real thing. Maybe it's just like a lot of people are just like really in a rush. Um, and like white people are in the biggest rush of all. And so I think that's why it's called racism. So... Um, they have places to be. Uh, let's see. I, uh, I think that's it. <laughs> Moon Chosen! I just saw that you wanted me to call you something else by your name. Moon Chosen. Um, oh, you did. I was like, she's the chosen chosen. Yeah, that she could be like Baron Moon Chosen. Yeah, Baron Baron Moon Chosen. That's so funny. I think that, yeah, it went over her head. It's the reference to a movie, The Adventures of Baron Von Munchausen. And there's 61 of her orbiting Jupiter. It's a really good movie. Okay. Robin Williams plays the King of the Moon. Oh, okay. Yeah. The For King of the sure. Moon. Uh, 
I got something for you. Okay. I feel like uh, having, especially if you're trying to shit on your ex, um, you there's a lot more you can work with on the conspiracy theory angle. Yeah. Like, I was thinking, eh, I don't know if this is good, but you could say something like, yeah, he even wore, like, a little tinfoil hat on his dick. <laughs> now as, like, a condom. Something about, yeah. There you go. Just fuck with that. People hate All people right. who believe in that. <laughs> Uh, do you want to know more about the fluoride thing? Because I could tell you if I could. But yeah. No, I've heard enough. Oh, you know. <laughs> we they did it for a year. your pineal gland so that you can't uh, open your third eye. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think hey, there's hey, a hey. lot with the fluoride. <laughs> like, you could do, like, oh, yeah, there's a conspiracy to not have cavities. Like, yeah. conspiracy to have oh, yeah. teeth. Like, like, what? A conspiracy to, like, stop dentists from earning money? Mm-hmm. Like, I, th- I just would love to hear more about that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I thought with the world's most adorable bender, you could take it in the take it in a different direction. And just be like, I watched a bunch of Adventure Time and a bunch of manga and just a little bit of ketamine or oh. something just a bit different. Okay, well, I guess it was supposed to be adorable because I'm adorable, but <laughs> it's not true. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything else that's good? Or? I was trying to think of something for the adorable uh, Bender thing, because it's, uh, that's... That. Um, I would do a little research on the floor, I think, because you can find a whole... <laughs> no, really, though, like, not, like, in a way, like, to, like, try, I don't know, try and understand him, like, research stuff of these idiots that are out there saying this stuff and just rip them apart for, like, a minute, because yeah. there's gold in there. I, this, I, like, I listen to that stuff for laughs all the time. Like, if I'm not listening to a comedy podcast, oh. I listen to Conspiracy Nuts and just laugh my ass off at these guys that think this stuff. All right. Um... That Later, like I will tell you some sites to go to. I, I can I can think of a billion ways to make your bender more adorable. Uh, when you get your cherry and your whiskey sour, you ask for sprinkles with it. <laughs> or I like that. That's if you cute. do like if you do a certain shot that has whipped cream, when you get your you get an Irish coffee and you ask for sprinkles. Or like a on cupcake top of glazed with ketamine. A cupcake glazed with ketamine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sprinkled yeah, yeah, with yeah. ketamine. Sprinkles. Yeah. 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 Something with sprinkles. Something ketamine cute. sprinkles. Ketamine sprinkles. Yeah, like. All right. Um, I, I went to my pot dispensary and I just I got a brownie, but then I I got the ketamine sprinkles. Oh, that's okay. adorable. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Yay! Moon chosen. Baron von Moon chosen. All right, your next comedian. I should actually, before we get to that, I should say that tomorrow you guys should go to Brainwash and you can see Stephanie Silverman do 15 minutes, yay, during my showcase from 8 to 9. And I will mention this because you guys are here. I'm going to put it tomorrow on the Bay Area Comedy Network. But I'm totally going to fuck with the sign-up and do it really weird because it always makes me upset when people show up at 6.30 for like the 9 o'clock sign and then they just leave and go off and do other things. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have two sign-ups. I'm going to have a sign-up at 6.30 for the 7 to 8 open mic that'll have 11 spaces and then I'll have a sign up at 8:30 for the 9 to 10 open mic so that I can get people in two groups and hopefully have people there like during the showcase 
I don't know. That's just, I'm going to try something different. No one's ever done it that way. It's not going to be pre-signed. It's going to be like show up at 6.30 or show up at 8.30 if you want to be on the 7 or the 9 o'clock. Are you going to make it a puzzle? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to make it a puzzle. Like we have to go to different websites to find our spot. No, that's that's what I do on Fridays to make yeah. you guys run promotion for me. But tomorrow I'm just going to try to get bodies in the seats by having the, the sign-up be at two different times. So, you know, there'll be 11. There's going to be 22 spots total for open mics. But I'm going to – so if you want to do other mics, mics tomorrow it actually might be beneficial because you don't have to fuck yourself over to be at brainwash at 6 30 you can actually go to omg or go wherever you want and then come back at 8 30 to sign up for the nine o'clock thing just letting you guys know a little ahead of time exciting stuff this friday there's another uh, show here at mutiny radio it's like super packed i've never put 10 comics on a show but i did on this one because uh, they're all not white uh and the theme is i'm not white and your next comedian is going to be on it so come see him and support him this Friday, but clap right now wildly for Stefan Massey. I'll wait for the class to quiet down. I have all day. I can wait all day. Pam doesn't. She'll go off on you guys. No. Um, so since we're talking a lot about homeless people tonight, um, my uh, I went to UC Santa Cruz, and uh, I like to say that Santa Cruz is like an extreme version of Berkeley, um, which I don't mean in a positive way. But one thing they do have uh, both Berkeley and San Francisco over a barrel on is their homeless people. There is a special breed of homeless person in San Francisco. But my absolute favorite guy to see at any point was this one dude down by the boardwalk who was in a wheelchair. And he'd hold, always have this uh, styrofoam cup. He'd hold it up in the air and he'd yell, Why am I holding this cup? Why am I holding this cup? Why am I holding it? That's, yeah, he was, he was fantastic. Um, so I am wearing shorts, you guys, and uh, I'm kind of shocked that no one really commented on it because I almost never do. Uh, <laughs> what? What was that? Okay. I, I didn't understand. I, I, don't, I don't get that much. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> They're pale, though. That's the one thing I don't like. I need to get some sun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I normally wear slacks and a t-shirt, and that's because uh, this is one of the first times I've done stand-up in a while while I wasn't working. Because um, jobs, in addition to supplying you with that fantastic and horrible thing known as money, are also great for curbing hedonism. When you're employed, you have to dress more conservatively, be more polite, be sober, and it just goes on and on, guys. And as a card-carrying hedonist, I am mildly looking forward to being fun-employed for at least a little while. Um, so I, um, but besides uh, people, I don't have many things that I really hate. Um, uh, I do, I do have, I do have uh, one like really big phobia, and that's that's uh, bugs. I fucking hate insects of almost all stripes. Like, uh, if I see like a really arty uh, photograph of some rare species on Tumblr, I'll, I'll think, wow, that's that's pretty cool. But the second it turns into a GIF, I'm out of there, <laughs> scrolling like mad. But like, I lose all sense of proportion when I have to deal with bugs, guys. Like this past uh, weekend, I had some people over, and there was this huge fucker just flying. Around this hornet flying around my living room, and it lands on our uh, our light fixture. And I take out my umbrella and I extend it like a fucking telescoping nightstick, and I just fucking start whacking at it. And the whole room's like, "Dude, calm the fuck down!" And I was not listening, of course. Uh, my favorite story about uh, something like that is uh, I was over at my godparents once, and my godfather had just bought this 
very uh, realistic looking BB gun, which is to say it looked like an actual gun. Um, and I was doing the dishes, and a fucking bee crawls out of the tap while I'm doing the dishes, and I back away for a second, I just like stare it down, then I walk into the other room calmly, come back in with the BB gun, cock it dramatically, and point it right at that bee. I didn't shoot. <laughs> um, let's see. So I was saying this on Friday, um, I've st I feel like I've struggled um, a, a bit to put into words what it's like to have Asperger's. Uh, and I was driving my car on Friday, and, I've, and I, this idea came into my head, and I think I've, I've really nailed it this time, guys. So having Asperger's is like driving in Berkeley. You get that there was an idea of a system in place. <laughs> you yourself have studied this system, learned its rules, and committed them to memory over a long period of time. And then you see people flagrantly disregarding these rules. <laughs> and it's very frustrating, very frustrating. And you, get the, you really get the sense that everything could be a lot more streamlined, that, that things could flow a lot better if just a little care was taken to you know, address certain issues. And if you guys have ever gotten into any kind of tiff with any Berkeley drivers, first of all, I apologize on behalf of us. Uh, but also, you know, if, if anything from just like, you know, honking your horns at each other to, I should have said that a second ago, really, uh, to full-on shouting match, you come away not feeling good about it. You come away feeling like you might have just been dealing with, you know, a, an aspect of yourself, and that, that too, I feel, is, is applicable for Asperger's in most of my interactions. Okay, I'm done. I've got one dumb question about Asperger's. Sure. This always happens. This always happens. All right. Um, in uh, The Guardian this week, they had an article about um, quiet stores. Instead of like going to stores where like there's music playing all mm. the time and stuff, like would it be better for like an Asperger's type person to, <laughs> to shop in a quiet store? Um, I mean, here's the thing is like it's it's really like such a case by case basis. Like they can address certain things. I do very much.